Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. Yep, you got it. That equals the big 5-0. Three mamas, three wives, three entrepreneurs who happen to be friends learning the ropes of being 50. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics and experienced guests, we invite you to be a part of aha moments of learning, inspiration, and of course, lots of fun. We're excited to do what girlfriends do best, chat from the heart. Hey, I'm Lori. I'm Shannon. And I'm Lisa. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. She's a 10 times five here. I'm with Lori and Shannon, and we're excited to change directions a little bit. So just to give you a little idea, when we sat down to brainstorm about She's a 10 and what we wanted to accomplish, one of the things that we talked about was let's create lists of all the things a 10 times five would want to know at this age, right? I would, I want to know about this, that, and the other thing. I already already know everything. Well, we let you think that, but. Which is why, (laughs) which is why you need this podcast. (laughs) So we can learn from you. (laughs) Anyway, so we had our lists of like fun topics and we had our list of real life topics and our inspirational topics and all these fun things. And we've been focusing on a lot of those. But the one list we've kind of held off on because we were just getting started was real life. So in feedback from all of our wonderful listeners, we have had multiple requests to talk about some real life stuff. So today we're going to tackle one of those items. Yes, today we are very excited to have one of my dearest friends, Lauren Reynolds, in the house. Hi, Lori. Hi. And it's very exciting because she kind of tackles two things. We've we've definitely talked about this idea of reinvention, and Lauren has personally gone through her own career reinvention. And then we're going to go into a slightly heavy topic, which uh, has been requested many times over from our listeners, our friends, et cetera. So first to talk about Lauren. Lauren, I've known for a very long time since our kids were T-ballers. And she started out as a news reporter for Channel 10, ABC. I don't know if you remember this, but you interviewed me. I did. I do remember it. It was on a Sunday. It was on it a Sunday. It had something to do with tumbling. It was. It was It was one of the businesses <laughs> that I was involved with, and she actually interviewed me. But you, you never claimed to have remembered that. I don't remember it. Honestly, I was probably really tired. It was a Sunday morning, and I'd woken up really early. And as memorable as you are, I did quite a few <laughs> interviews. <laughs> I'm sure I Just laughed. I'm sure you made me laugh. <laughs> I think I was pretty serious on that one. But then she became an investigative reporter. And then when she was at a crossroads with her own personal life, when your mom got ill, she decided to get into a business that would help the elderly. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to dive into a pretty heady topic, which is we've all been caretakers of kids. We've been caretakers of ourselves. And there comes a point where you may have to take care of a family member. It could be a parent, it could be a spouse, it could be a sister, a brother. So that is what we're going to discuss today. And I'm so happy you're here to do that. Thank you. It's so great to meet you, ladies. I've been listening to you and I'm a fan of your podcast. So I'm really excited to be a guest. Thanks for joining yes, us. We're excited yes. to have you, Lauren. So so Lauren, why don't we start off with this? Like you went through that period of time with your mom and she was very ill. And what is it that you discovered that gave you the motivation to say, okay, I'm going to pivot and this is something I can be doing on a bigger scale. 
It started out probably because uh, news reporting was changing. I was a news reporter for 17 years, and I really, really enjoyed it. But the industry was changing. So a lot of the stuff that you hear about news reporting now, I felt 10 years ago. Sometimes I felt like I was going from doing these fabulous investigative stories to gotcha journalism, kind of um, less meaningful, more outrageous, Mm -hmm. more intended on grabbing ratings than righting wrongs, which being an investigative reporter, I loved exposing wrongs. Do do we call that fake news? Uh, Yes, yes. (laughs) Although there's, you know, every, every good story has a little bit of truth to it. So there's usually some truth in everything. But right, the biases that they were starting 10 years ago. And I'm a, um, strong person, but I wouldn't describe myself as a mean person. And I felt like the business was becoming too mean for me. So I started thinking about, okay, I'm a worker. I don't think I'm ever going to retire. What else can I do? And I thought about lots and lots of different businesses. And it just so happened my poor young mother, who was a very successful trial attorney in Los Angeles and um, five foot two, a little spitfire, was diagnosed with Um, pretty advanced cancer. She had diagnosed at stage one, but it advanced quickly even after treatment. So she ended up passing away at 58. A a 58-year-old woman wants to stay at home. I would think so. So yeah. she's not going anywhere. She was married. My my husband's a my husband, my father. Well, my <laughs> husband's wonderful too, but my father was a wonderful man, but a terrible nurse. And he even he would admit that. So the last ten months of my mom's life, she had in home care. And that's how I really was even exposed to it. Because you don't know what it is until you need it. And then you feel like you become this expert in, you know, caring for somebody. And there was this nurse who was 70 who used to come a lot. I was able, Channel 10 was a great place to work and they actually let me go part-time so that I could go take care of my mom as well as raising my two kids who were young at the time. They were eight and six and um, and care, help care for my mother. And the nurse was inspiring, 70 years old, still working, loved what she did. She actually told me the day my mom was going to die. She wow. knew. And the reason was I was I had a flight booked to Washington, D.C., where I was doing a story on criminal gangs in the military. <laughs> and this mother took me a long time to get her to agree to talk to me. And I was going to need to get on that flight. and But I wasn't going to leave my mother. And I was just talking to the nurse. And the nurse sort of looks at me and I said, do you think I'll be able to get on that flight? Just like, let's say it's on a Tuesday. And she looked at my mom and she said, I think so. And I said, do you think you know when my mom's going to pass away? And she said, I think she's going to go on Sunday. Wow. 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 And my mom died on Sunday. And it was hard, but I got on that flight, which is what my mom would have wanted me to do. She would have expected Mm -hmm. me to do the work. She used to say, life is for the living. Be sure to, she said, grieve for a while. It's okay to grieve for about a year, but then get on with your life. So that's that's how I discovered in-home care was my mom needing it and having a really good experience with it. So one of the questions that kind of has come up, I mean, I can speak for Lisa and I, we, we have three friends that have recently had their aging parents in need of some type of help. Mm-hmm. Or ill. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, two of them pu- actually put their uh, fathers in a home. And it was really interesting. I was out with a group on Saturday, and one of the statistics that it was a pharmacist quoted was that the average like lifespan once you go into a home is five to six months. So there comes this thing as how how do you decide when in fact you should have your loved one in a home versus doing in home care? 
It's a great question. And anybody who lives long enough is going to face this question. And it's, you know, 50, 53 million Americans are already taking care of an aging relative, usually a parent or a grandparent. So this comes up a lot. And one of the things I always like to point out is it's not a decision you should be making last minute. It's a conversation you should start having early. So think of it this way. Right when your kid turns 18, your kid should have a will. Your kid should have an advanced healthcare directive. He's an adult or she's an adult. So that's a really good time to start discussing if certain, something was to happen to you, what value do you place on certain things in life? And a lot of um, the greatest generation never spoke about it because they all just said, you know, I'm going to go to the home. But for them, the home was the nursing home. Right. It was when they needed end of life medical care to assist with, with them passing comfortably. Assisted living is not something that they were really used to. It was a newer um, development. So well, when you say assisted living, are you talking about you're in a residence or a community? So okay. they, they assisted living is where it's a it's a residential care community is what it's called. It's um, under the California Department of Social Services regulates them here in California. And it's a place where people can go and they can get their meals taken care of. Lots of social activities friends, socialization, people in their generation, their age group. And it's great as long as you're healthy enough to take advantage of that. So if you're somebody who can't get out of bed by yourself, what benefit is that to you? If you can't enjoy the activities, mm -hmm. then being in, in an assisted living community is not going to be as beneficial to you. It's a fine line, right? It's a, it's a balancing act because the assistance of helping them with their meds and helping them with the the medical part of it is the benefit, but then at what point do they need the help, but they can still do all the other things? So there's, there's a, I find it to be kind of a narrow window. Well, and it comes down to preferences mm -hmm. and finances. Right. So you have to look at what ref resources do you have available to pay for care? And then what does your parent or grandparent want? There are people who will say, I want to be, I'm going to die in my own home. And I want everything done to make sure that that happens. And if that's communicated to the children, then they don't feel any stress about the decisions they're making. Because even if the par parent can't really talk uh, that way anymore, express those opinions, they remember when those opinions were expressed. And they should be written down. You, oh, you literally point. should have a pre right. preference mm -hmm. sheet so that there's no discussion or argument that comes up later. You really should have an advanced healthcare directive. You really should have a, a living trust, uh, a post as you get later in life. You should have that pink form that literally says, I want CPR or I don't want CPR. And I do want CPR, but beyond CPR, you know, do I want to be fed by a G tube or do I not want that to happen? And people need to make their own decisions. Nobody should be making that decision for you. Lauren, do you have any tips on how to bring that topic up with elderly parents? Because some don't necessarily want to talk about that. Right. So it's like some people don't want care either. So what works for our parents and what I find is that if you make it about helping the kids, that's better. Um, sometimes when I have to encourage somebody who really does need some care in the home to accept that care, I'll say something like, you know, your son, John, is really worried about you. Maybe you should just try this for him because they, mm, they don't really want to do point. it for themselves. Yeah. They, they are not – they 
don't want to admit weakness. They they don't want to be self-centered. Mm-hmm. They're really selfless people, our parents, in a lot of ways. So um, if you can make it about you, hey, mom, I just was learning about something and, and um, my family and I are kind of talking about if something were to happen, what would we do? And I thought, you and I haven't had this discussion. Let's just talk about it a little bit. So that I can make sure when the time comes that I can do what you want. And it doesn't mean anything bad's going to happen in the next six months. It just means there's some sort of a plan. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Like my, I, I did it right away when, when I had kids. I have mine. And, and mine's all down to, um, and when you, you throw a party for me, I want to wake. I'm, <laughs> I'm Irish. I want to wake. I literally wrote no Costco food. Oh my gosh! No Costco food. I want good food. I have some foodie friends. I know your men. They may not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll be gone. So right, they might not follow it. But if I have a granddaughter, she might. (laughs) So Lauren, here's the other thing, and I know a friend that has gone through this. They want to keep their dad in the home. In this situation, was a father. The spouse, the mom, wants to keep the father in the home. However, it becomes so stressful on the spouse, the spouse, where it's just it where they get angry and, you know, taking care of bowel movement issues. And you've got all of that stuff going on. And when does it come a point where you say, okay, now it's time to move out of the home? So because I own a home care company, I very rarely say that. It really comes down to this is the type of care at home that I think would be beneficial for you. Gotcha. Somebody to come in for eight hours every day and take care of all that for you so that the spouse can get out. Because caregiving does have a negative impact on our health, especially when it's all the time. And, um, you know, I'm... I. I believe in person-centered care. So I really, really believe what does this person want and then what can we do to make that happen? I don't really believe in other people making the decision for them. So that's what I would say. And you just start small. Like, let's bring in somebody to come in and help with the bathing. And then she can also do a little bit of housekeeping. Mm. And she can do some meal prep. And by the way, she can make you meals as well. And why doesn't she stay for four hours so that you can go have lunch with your girlfriends so that the quality of life is raised for everyone? Everyone. There's no magic time where you say this isn't going to work with a couple of exceptions. If somebody needs a lot of medical care, then around-the-clock nursing is extremely expensive. So you either have to be a very wealthy person or you had to have purchased great long-term care insurance, which I purchased after seeing what my mom's expenses were. And that's if you need 24-hour nursing, you may not have an option. Um, you may need to go into it. But then again, you're going into a skilled nursing facility. And what people don't realize then is Medicare is going to pay the first 100 days. But after that... There is an out-of-pocket expense. So I guess right. the main point here is you need to save for retirement. You should start at 18, and you need to save. And unfortunately, a lot of Americans haven't saved enough. So the financial part is is a huge part. You know, Explain to the listeners how it's all broken down. Like what's – for income care, what's an out-of-pocket expense and – so in, I can talk about San Diego and Los Angeles County where I have um, businesses. Um, so the average care cost is, is probably $30 an hour. Here's something else that's really important, very, very important, especially recently. 
no caregiver is an independent contractor in California. Yes. You are not hiring an independent contractor. Either the agency is a full-fledged employer or your mother is, which means we need pay stubs and her payroll taxes taken out and workers' compensation insurance and all of that. And um, there, there it's, you really have to follow the, the rules in California. If you have even one employee, the, you're, you're treated like you're the size of my company. The rules are the same. So that's, that's another really important point. So you either need to go through an agency or you need to call your accountant and your lawyer and do it all the right way. Oh, that's so a great, that's a really really important tip. point. Yeah. Uh, people get sued, and there's no ex- there's no defense. You if you get sued, you can't just say, "Well, I didn't know." That doesn't matter, and the penalties are outrageous. So that's another point. So, Lauren, can you define kind of what you mean by independent contractor? Because that might be a little bit confusing as to what that means as far as someone that's taking care of your parent. It just means you can't say, for example, put an ad on Craigslist for a caregiver and bring in a paid caregiver into your house and then pay her under the table or say, hey, I'll pay you you know, $300 a week to take care of my mom and then you know, hand her cash or, or a personal check. That's not legal at all in California. And she needs to be an employee with her payroll taxes taken out and having workers' compensation insurance and their paid sick days. And California is really employee protective, any mistake you make, you will pay dearly for, either in fines or in court. And people are realizing that um, because lawsuits are filed. Lawyers actually post things on Facebook trying to get caregivers who were taken advantage of by being paid under the table and they file lawsuits against average people. So it's super important to go through an agency. Either go through an agency or um, and and double check that that agency is a W-2 employer, a full-fledged employer, or lots of people have household employees. That's okay, but you need to make sure, I suggest contacting your accountant and also your attorney and making sure that you have a payroll company involved and you're taking out their payroll taxes and you have written wage agreements and you're just doing everything that any company would have to do. Because the rules are the same. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Sure. Taking a step back, what are some of the signs that you might see in a loved one that you go, ding, ding, okay, I need to start considering bringing someone in to help? Losing things. When um, your mother, for example, says she's starting to not be able to find things that she had put down and she doesn't remember where she put them down. Bills not being paid or bills being paid more than once. Mm. Confusion, when people have a lot of confusion. Another sign is falls. If you start noticing that your mom is saying or dad is saying, I fell down, but I was okay. And then the next week it's, I fell down again. That might be a sign that something medically is going on, um, but also that maybe she needs some assistance. This sounds like my week, Lauren. Did you fall down a bunch of times? I'm always falling down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, it's we live longer. The the, uh, statistics are if you live to 65 without a very, very serious disease, you're probably going to live 20 more years. Oh, that's, oh, I've like not heard that, that statistic. And okay. so you're going to be 85. And I know you talk a lot about um, being 50. And I love that and, and the struggles with it. And it's so funny because of the industry that I work in, 50 is young. 
to me. Lauren, can you say that again? 50 is young. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's really young. I mean, I, I'm not quite 50 yet, but I'm close. And my my clients call me youngster and Aww. kid. And um, I really think you're not Do actually they pinch old. No, that is not allowed. <laughs> no. Um, 85. I, my, my idea of old is like, if you reach 85, you're getting up there. Right. You're getting up there. But I've had 95-year-olds who act like 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds who act like 80-year-olds. So some people are young at heart the and they whole always, time. They always, always are. Always yeah. are. I love that. I had a client that almost reached 103 years old. His name was Lauren, and he um, he told me he didn't drink, smoke, tell dirty jokes, or go with the girls who did. <laughs> and then he'd wink because oh. he for sure did all those things. <laughs> That's a good story. Oh, he, I like Lauren. And he only got a caregiver. So this gives you an idea of what happens, real-life stories. His, his daughter, it's usually the daughter if there's a daughter. If there's no daughter, it's usually the oldest son who will call for help. But his daughter called us and said, my dad cannot drive. And finally, his doctor told him. He was 98 years old. And when I went to go meet him, he said, you know, my driver's license says I can drive for two more years. Oh. And he said, but... My doctor actually said to me that I wasn't strong enough to push the brake if I had to push the brake because his legs were 98 years old. Right. So um, he decided to hire me. He said I cost $1 less than the other company, so he was going to give me a try. (laughs) 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 And we had him for a long time. But then, again, another real-life story. At some point, after he needed 24-hour care for for a while, his daughter put him into assisted living, thinking, you know, maybe dad will meet some people. And so, you know, he's 102 at this point. He's in assisted living. And he did like the social aspects of it, but they had to hire us back because he still needed 24-hour care. And you're not going to get 24-hour care in assisted living unless you bring it in. Oh, I didn't know you could even have that option. Right. Because it's your home. You're you're Mm -hmm. in assisted living. You have your own home. So they brought us in and we took care of him for the last year of his life. And his final words were to his caregiver, who was there, my employee, Mm -hmm. when he passed away. And his words were, thank you. Oh, wow. So that's how you live to almost. And he, he thought he was 103. He said it's my birthday. It was like four days until he was 103. But he didn't need to know that. Well, I asked that question because it was a, with my grandmother. Now, b- both my grandparents lived in their mid-90s, so wow, long life. Great. But there came a point where my grandma, Cunningham, Wanda, I saw the signs because the mail was stacking up and she was getting reeled into all these fraudulent activities. And I, I got met with a lot of resistance from both her and other family members. Mm-hmm. And my sister did, too. And I mean, I had gone and I'd taken the boys one Christmas and she's saying, God bless America. And I <laughs> picked up the phone and I said, you know, I think I think something's going on here. And it wasn't until it took her driving down the wrong way of Ventura Boulevard that finally, ding, 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 the family says, Ooh. OK, this is a problem. Right. Driving is often so the I, problem. I, you must see that, right, where peep, there's this push pull that's it's and it's it can get really nasty within a family, right? It's difficult. It's difficult. And that's why I think if um, sometimes having a, a mutual, and a, a, a not a mutual, an independent person come in and just sit with the family and just talk, 
but always reassuring the elderly person that we're here for you and your rights, and we're here to design a program that is safe, but that everybody can buy into, that your whole family can buy into, because it's stressful and it's emotional, and there's a lot of you know distrust sometimes among among different family members as why do you want mom to go there or why do you want to do this. Um, so having an impartial person come in, and that that could be a, a care manager. There's a great association for care managers out there, um, Aging Life Care Association, where you can just get a, a care manager to come out and do an assessment, which isn't a final decision. It's just like fact gathering. Um, how is this person doing medically, financially? What's her household situation like? There are also programs, because I did talk about how expensive it is, and it really is. Uh, we, everybody has to plan for that. But there's a veteran aid and attendance benefit for military veterans. Um, it is needs-based, but they can own a home. So you're not penalized because you own a home. Mm-hmm. So there's a process for getting those. Um, and then for people who have $2,000 or less, so very, very disadvantaged people, there's something called IHSS. And they can put caregivers into a home with the client. And the state of California basically pays for it. So those are just two other options that are out there. Gotcha. It's good to know. It's good information. Yeah. And I think like you were saying, with having that neutral person, that could create a lot of just maybe better energy among the family Mm -hmm. because nobody's making the decision. It's someone coming in saying, here's the facts instead of people's opinions. And we call it a care plan. So in my particular agency, my case managers are nurses. Mm -hmm. So our nurses will go out and we'll sit with the family and do a consultation and create a care plan that all of the interested parties address and have input into. But at the end of the day, it's the client and what did the client want at that time? Um, So, And the more decision-making you allow a client to have is based on their ability to reason. We can all make bad decisions if we are competent. There's, you know, even young people make terrible decisions about their health, about their driving. Absolutely. It's just if they're losing their capacity, that's where their freedom to make bad decisions has to be curtailed a little bit. But if you have capacity, you have the capacity to make a bad choice. Very well said. Well, so just sitting here, and I can only imagine people listening, what what they're thinking, the financial stuff, that's a huge consideration. And so, and navigating that, and and what's your recommendation is to, when you you sit down and have the conversation with your folks or with extended family members, how do you address this financial morass that you need to cover in order to get the proper care? I think the most important thing to remember is that Medicare doesn't pay for it. A lot of people think, as I get older, Medicare is going to take care of this. But Medicare does not pay for assisted living. Medicare pays only a portion of nursing homes. Um, Medicare has a home health benefit, but it's short-term intermittent care after you've had an event, like you discharge from the hospital, and so now you need a little bit of care. You get two months of care, and then that's gone. So understanding that, that you're not going to be able to rely on Medicare. Uh, If you're younger, because obviously if you're 80, it's it's not going to help you now, but just look into the various long-term care products that are out there. Or think of self-insuring, like if you just have some means and you have a 401k and you're saving for your retirement, medical costs are a big part of retirement. And what's good about a lot of financial 
planners now and even software is um, like just ADP, for example. My company uses ADP. So when I go look at my retirement savings, it gives me a calculator that tells me my healthcare costs that I should expect when I retire. Mm. And per month, it's already telling me it's $2,700 in today's dollars. Wow. And I'm a long way from retirement. But it's great that the software is doing that because people think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just understand that culturally, too, some cultures either move in with their parents or have their parents move in with them. Yes. So that's the option for a lot of people. And if you can do it and that's something that you're – you were – raised thinking you were going to do it, that's great. Like in my situation, I was a young person. I was 36 when my mother died. I had a career at 10 News and I had two young children of my own. That never was going to be an option. So you have to have other plans if that's not going to work. But it all starts with just a simple discussion, just having a conversation about it, informal conversation. doesn't have to be a big meeting with, you know, notepads, just a chat. Let's just chat about it, mom. Just get the chat started. Right. Just a chat. Yep. Well, you know, I think it's really important, too, because, I mean, just sitting here, I I haven't even thought personally what, how I would be, you know, I I don't know if how I, like, I think I would have to ask myself just like, well, well, how would I want to be taken care of? Right. What burden do I want to put on my kids or my husband or so, yeah. And, And I think because we, we saw so much with my mother, my husband and I have already had that conversation. We already purchased our long-term care insurance policies, and my father has too. And so my father knows that – I know that my father wants to stay home, and he um, has good insurance. And so we'll just – he wants to be able to play his piano, and he's not an overly social person. So that's where he wants to be. And we'll just do everything we can to make that happen. Anyone listening to this is going to be like, okay, I have a little list. I need to, right? you know, I need right? to do some things. I need to get some things in order. At least the advanced healthcare directive. Yes. Get that. And then um, your, your kids really should have a will when they're 18. Because if your 22-year-old kid gets hurt, generally the hospital is going to talk to you because you're the parent. That's That's fine. But imagine situations where maybe there was a divorce. Mm-hmm. Maybe the... Divorced parents disagree. You need to know what the kid would have thought, what the kid would have wanted, and have it written down. Right. That's what I think. I mean, the whole focus, I think, originally was for our, you know, loved ones being ill or aging. But what I'm taking away the most is where I need to get myself in order and get my house in order on what my wishes are on my kids and my husband. Right. This is a big aha Well, and baby boomers, 10,000 people a day are turning Mm -hmm. 65. Um, So baby boomers definitely need to be having these conversations. And sometimes we just need to just encourage our parents. Hey, have you thought about this? Mom, do you have an advanced healthcare directive? Their attorneys really should be too if they have any kind of, um, you know, estate plan. Usually a a good attorney is going to bring that up. Right. A CPA will probably bring it up, a good CPA. And then when you do go look for help, um, wherever you you go, be sure you read the reviews. If you do hire an agency, wherever you are in the United States, you need to make sure that the agency is legitimate, that they are a W-2 employer of all of their employees, because you don't want to all of a sudden find out that you were an employer because you brought a caregiver into your house from an agency. Mm-hmm. Just verify that. And mm-hmm. then there are a lot of w- resources on the web. Even AARP has information. 
the California Association for Health Services at Home has great information, and there's lots of places to turn. That's what I was thinking about was a lot of times, like you said earlier, people don't deal with this until they're forced to, or and sometimes it's in an emergency situation, and then they're scrambling. So it'd be nice to, is there a home, like home base place that they can just go, okay, where's Where's my resources? What what do I need in a fast situation? Does that make sense? Right. Yes. So there there are lots of um, places online where, for example, one that comes to my mind right now is Five Wishes. Very simple template for an advanced healthcare directive. When I say have one, it doesn't mean an attorney has to do it. There are lots of templates you can use. So Five Wishes is one that we have sent to people. um, And where you just, it's a simple checklist. Mm -hmm. You talk about it and, and get things written down. And it's good to go. Doctors will accept it. If you do have any kind of health issue, then I really strongly recommend a post. We're all young, yeah. being, being 50-ish at this table, right? Very young. So we know if something bad happens to us, of course, we have we want CPR. That's, that's a given. You want somebody to resuscitate you. For some reason, you stop breathing. But if you're 85 years old and you have cancer, mm-hmm. CPR might break all your ribs, if right? you're not breathing, you may not want somebody to perform CPR. So that's when you need that pulse, a bright pink form. Nobody's going to read 15 pages in an emergency, but it's a bright Mm-mm. pink form. You can download them off the internet and fill them out. And we have to print them on pink paper, but um, it's a good place to just jot down the most important decisions. Wow, that's a great. That, yeah. that's a great tip. It okay. is really heavy, right? But we're yeah. all going to die. Yeah. yeah. Newsflash. Yeah. Well, and, and shit just happens. Right? I mean, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy because Connor, you know, off at school in Texas, got really ill. Um, I think he had COVID, but that was before COVID was a thing. Right. But I couldn't get any access to anything. And it was, and I was thinking to myself. Because he's 18. Mm-hmm. Because he's 18. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't have that healthcare directive. I don't. Mm-hmm. So that's your homework. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you should do. Because think of a car accident. Right. You know, it's it, we all can get hurt, you know, many different ways. And you really need that. And you really need it starting at 18. So does Five Wishes give us that? Um, for if you have an 18, so if you have time on your hands, I went through an estate planning attorney. I, to me, that was just better. I needed a will and a trust yeah. and we needed yeah. everything. So I, I did it through an attorney. If you don't have resources and you don't have time, then Five Wishes is acceptable. Option B. Right. Right. It's just a resource. Mm -hmm. It'll actually, if you go and you print it out, you'll get some idea of what you need to talk about. But if you have the time, I would get a reputable attorney Mm -hmm. and get your documents all in order. And, um, you know, like I'm sure I put myself as the the first, with my son's permission, as the first person to call. My husband is the second, you know, to make, because what if my husband, my son and I were in the car together? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Where do you feel power of attorneys play or how important do you feel that those play in the healthcare directive or what is their role from your perspective? So importance. what they do is they, a power of attorney for healthcare, Mm -hmm. which might be different from your power of attorney for your estate finances. Um, The power of attorney for healthcare is going to speak for you when you can't speak. Mm -hmm. So that means as long as you're competent and able to speak, for example, you're making your decisions. Your power of attorney is your backup. If you're unconscious, if you're in a car accident and you're unconscious, now your power of attorney is going to kick in. But they're only going to kick in when you can't speak for yourself. 
with Alzheimer's and dementia, that's a little bit trickier. At some point, the power of attorney for healthcare may have to step in to make healthcare decisions because there's a lack of capacity. Right. And that's a process that, that usually involves a neurologist and getting a, a doctor's assessment sometimes two, that says you don't have capacity. And some people even have to go to court and become a conservator of the person to make their decisions because they're just not getting anywhere, you know, convincing. Well, shoot, Britney Spears has because, a conservator, right? Right, right. because right. she lacks capacity. Right. So, well, apparently, apparently. Right. allegedly. I don't We're know her. Right. I, don't, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. I assume Oops, the court. Right. <laughs> I'm sure the court decided that. But that all goes back to what you were saying is planning ahead. Because if you're waiting until that point where their capacity is in question, right. then you've lost that opportunity to get that power of attorney. And then you're looking at a conservatorship or losing control of the situation? Is that, um, that's a question. Well, it's, yes, it's always better to, yeah. to deal with it earlier. Yeah. It really is. And generally, um, you know, say a, a, a parent that has two children that get along great, you may never have a problem. But I've had clients where there were nine or 10 children and three had one opinion and seven had another opinion. And that turned into a court battle. And so it's, um, it's just sometimes better if you just have everything written down. Right. Okay. Well, it's just like I tell my kids, it's like, don't make me react to a situation because I probably won't react well. But if you come to me in advance and we proactively work through something, you're probably going to get a much better mom. A uh, better <laughs> outcome. Right. Yeah. And so I'm hearing that on the, you know, if, if you're forced to think about it from the execution standpoint, you kind of back into you're forced to think about it from the financial standpoint. And those two go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And I, honestly, I'm so grateful for this conversation because yeah. I, I haven't thought about any of this. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm so happy to share it with you. And you don't have to talk specifics. Like you don't have to. I don't mean getting into the weeds, like which assisted living do I want to go to? Mm -hmm. It's not that. It's just. That would be in Bali. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. The Caribbean. Seychelles. There's right. a great place. <laughs> Okay, Lauren, one final question that I know I've struggled with and uh, I have friends that have as well. Sometimes when they're at different levels of capacity, um, having conversations, day-to-day -day conversations, and it gets, you get frustrated with your parents, especially if they're in a, in a more advanced state. But they get frustrated. You get frustrated because they're not making sense or they're explaining something the wrong way and you want to correct them. You want to make it right. But at the same time, it, it doesn't always work. What is your advice on that? Don't bring them into reality. Go to their reality. So never argue. Arguing is pointless. It creates uh, negative feelings and it doesn't solve anything. So uh, take a breath. If mom repeats the same thing 10 times or if she tells a story and she has the facts all wrong, don't say, no, mom, that, that was 1972 and it wasn't Johnny, it was Kathy. That creates nothing but n stress, stress, negative feelings. Yes. It's almost as though um, when somebody's spouse has died, so somebody with dementia has lost their spouse, and then they don't want to hear over and over again, remember, dad died three weeks ago. Right. That's really not helpful. Um, it's sort of like acknowledge their feelings and then try to distract them. Oh, dad, dad's fine, mom. Dad's fine. He's, he's doing really well. And then let's go do the laundry. You don't want to bring her back to trauma over and over again because the mind doesn't process it that way. So never argue is a really important, with all of us, right? Just right. don't argue. It's pointless. Yeah. And um, don't try to bring them back into reality. 
let them be happy where they are. Great advice. Thank that is you. Great advice. Thank you. And, and thank you for asking that because yeah. I think yeah, I think a lot of people go through this where they struggle with someone and it does get frustrating when you're dealing with someone who's not in your reality. Well, and it can be something as simple as, um, you know, my dad did all the finances and now my mom is in charge of it at, at 80 years old. And it's very stressful for her because she didn't know how to. So we'll have conversations about that. And and instead of arguing with her because it's not all it will it just raises her level of stress. I said, okay, that's that's completely fine, mom. Let's 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 table that and talk about it when I see you. Perfect. That will make it easier if I'm with you. And then by then she has time to kind of level out. Calm and, down. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she's not an advanced stage. She's just, you know, at that age where she's doubting her decisions. And I always say to my employees too, remember that these people, even if they say the same story 10 times a day. They were warriors. They were CEOs. Mm-hmm. They were parents. They were community leaders. It, you know, how we are at the very end is is just pathology, biology. It's, you know, these were amazing people and we have to treat them um, that they're amazing the way you'd want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Like, don't belittle them. Don't talk in baby talk. Um, right? right? Treat them with respect and honor and honor who they are. They're, they're people who have laid the foundation for the rest of us. And they've done so with courage and integrity. And we have to really be kind to them. Well, that brings up a really good segue because one of the things that I read was when you have an advanced aging adult parent is have a little fun with it. Yes. So humor is key. And so I thought for Lowe's lightning round, woo, woo-hoo. I knew you'd want that. Um, <laughs> I looked up a whole bunch of things that were humorous things that people have anecdotally put out, out there in, in the internet world. And so I've kind of collected those and I want to see if any of these resonate with you. Okay. So the first one is, have you ever had a client fall in love with one of your caregivers? No, thank goodness. That has not happened. Okay. Have you ever had a client wear a helmet around the house all day because of fear of falling? No, thank goodness. That has not happened either. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. Have you ever witnessed a bingo brawl? No, I have not. Do they still play bingo? Yes, okay. they do. But there are a lot of card games. I mean, there are so many and that they- I've never even heard of. Then I guess we're going to have to get to know some cards. I think right? we, at some yeah. point, <laughs> it's like lots of different card games. In That'll combo, I played bullshit, and I I play it all the time now. Oh, how funny! Yeah, yeah. I have witnessed a bingo brawl. Connor and I did a volunteer thing, and and they get feisty. Oh, sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's 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 on with the bingo. <laughs> I'm not fast enough. They are so fast. I, I mean, can't keep it, up. It's. It's something if you've never seen it. Never seen never that. Never okay. seen that either. Funniest <laughs> saying or terminology a client has used that you find yourself saying. I have one that I use that my grandma Wanda used to say. She used to she used to say, I'm so mad I could spit rust. Oh, I have one. Oh. Getting old isn't for sissies. That's oh, the truth. That is oh the my truth, gosh. right? My grandma used to say uh, when she was like kind of a little emotional, she'd say, my eyes are leaking. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> you got one too, Blaze? I know. I, I had 
the best grandma ever. And I was able to go see her before she actually went into a nursing home. And, you know, she was very forgetful. All those things you were saying earlier, it was like, check, check, check. And she, once she went in there, she didn't last too long because she Mm -hmm. was so social and just wanted to be home so bad. So she had, she was an Irish woman. So she had these one liners. I actually have voicemails saved on my phone from her and I listen to them all the time because she was just such an inspiration. But I don't, I can't think of one. Okay. None of them ever really made sense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How many times a week do you hear or your caregivers hear? These were the top three. I ain't dead yet. Constipation. Or I need my pills. Yeah, that comes up a lot. That's that's probably that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't dead yet. I bet is Yeah. That's um they are very funny. Yeah, our clients are just really funny. And you probably get some good sage advice once in a while too or the things that you can just tuck away. Go, Oof. You know, and but there's such a variety. You know, Lauren, uh, my 103-year-old client, just just talked about living life to the fullest and being happy and and just looking forward as opposed to backward. That's what he he talked about. Um I had another client that she lived to like 99 and she ate cookies and drank champagne all day. I want to go. I want to be in that age and do that. Right. That sounds awesome. a lot like and what her I'll family, be doing. Her family was like, whatever. Like she's been doing this for twenty years. Whatever makes her happy. I love like, it. Like you don't need to go in there and have a vegan diet at this <laughs> right. point. It's <laughs> pointless. Yeah. Right. Whatever you want. <laughs> right. It didn't make any difference. I love it. I We've love had it. other clients where we did have to water down the second glass. Oh. The first glass tastes normal. The second one, it's a little bit more watered down. <laughs> Because again, it's their life. It's you know, doctors would recommend a little less, maybe. My my grammar writer um, loved her Manhattans, and but it got to the point where they didn't work well with her state of mind. Right, <laughs> and it would be the middle of the day, and I'm like, Grandma, can I get you something to drink? Oh, I'll take a Manhattan. <laughs> right, <laughs> nine in the morning. I'll right? take a Manhattan. <laughs> never not a time that a Manhattan didn't sound good to your grandma. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, so we like to end on song. Okay. Wait, but we have one more question. Where can people find you? Oh, thank you for asking. Very easy. At Home Nursing Care is the name of the company. We serve all of San Diego County in the west side, south bay of Los Angeles. Eventually, we'll do Orange County, but I'm too busy right now, especially with COVID, for that. So, athomenursingcare.com. Okay. And is there anywhere like on Instagram or Facebook or any of those? Yes. And I at home nursing care something okay. like at uh, at home nursing care or at underscore home underscore nursing underscore care. Okay, we'll we're, all sure we're all over that. We're all over that. I have yeah. kids who do that for me. Yes, <laughs> we'll make sure it's on our all of our stuff so Thanks. people can find you. Thank for you. Sure. Yes. Okay, Lauren. We have a song that we like to sing. Yeah. You and I do. We do. I thought we like to dance to it. We do. We like to dance and sing. <laughs> but this is a podcast. <laughs> You're a much better dancer than I am. No, I am not. But and I do love to dance. I like to end on songs. So the song is Shoop. Okay. And I'm envisioning us. You know, you know, see those like little videos or TikToks of the two old ladies sitting in the sofa with their wine and they're still singing and having fun. That's what I want from us. Right. Okay. So are you ready to do this? I wish with we had me? video when we actually did it too a long time ago. Oh, I have a video. Uh oh. Your Let, husband's no, in it too. No, we don't want the video. <laughs> we never want the video. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so here we go. You have your part. I have mine. Okay. Here we go. 
To get your lips wet, cause it's time to have pep. On your mark, get set, go, let me go, let me shoot to the next man in a three-piece suit. I spend all my toe, ray me cutie, shoop shooby doobie, like scooby dooby doo. I love you in your big jeans, you give me nice dreams, you make me wanna scream, ooh ooh ooh. I like what you do, when you do, what you do, you make me wanna shoop, shoop, shoop a doop, shoop a doop, shoop a doop a doop a doop. more than fun. This has been incredibly informative and thank so you. helpful for all ages. And um, we just thank you for taking the time to come today and open our world on this very big topic. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much, sweetheart. Thank you. It, like, this is really good stuff. And I so know that everyone's going to tune into this one. Yeah, we could, have got, we could have covered a million things on this topic. Thank you for letting us just scratch the surface. Very fun, ladies. Thank you, Lauren. Thank Follow you. us on Instagram at She's a 10 times 5 and click on the link on our bio to listen. You can also listen to She's a 10 times 5 on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Yes.